I'm Cesar Rubio, five-time past master of Palm Springs Laws number 693, and this is Masonic Muscle, where we focus on the strongest aspect of Freemasonry, a virtuous education of the mind, fortifying it with wise and serious truths, encouraging all brethren to increase their level of fitness one degree at a time, making exercise and study a cornerstone of your daily routine, because Freemasonry is work. When you put in the work, you get closer and closer to the point within the circle. Masonic Muscle, we give you more light, but no light weights. We're here to pump you up, body, mind, and soul. Welcome back. Before we get to today's show, I have a really quick favor to ask you. If you've been enjoying the Masonic Muscle Podcast, I'd really enjoy and appreciate it if you took one minute to give me a review on either iTunes or Spotify. It helps me a lot, believe it or not. And if you've done that already, thank you so much. Please consider sharing the show with a friend or family member you think would get something out of it. Word of mouth is the primary way Masonic Muscle grows and spreads. So please share. Text a friend, send out an email, however you communicate, tell them to check it out. Thank you for your continued support. And now, on to the show. For you California Masons out there, I have to keep continue to ask you, have you been studying your ciphers? This is for the officers out there that are, have started to go through the chairs or who have a chair or a position in the lodge where you have to memorize a lot, a lot of the ritual now. Have you been getting in your ciphers? Do you spend, you know, you got to do it little chunks at a time, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, one paragraph, two paragraphs a day until you finally get that memory work in and then you begin to refine it. Have you been doing that? Have you been digging into the mysterious origins of masonry or anything for that matter? Have you been strengthening your knowledge, your Masonic foundation so that you can have good conversations with the public? Have you been improving your spiritual, moral, and Masonic trestle boards? If you don't know what I'm talking about, dig into your ritual. See where you find it and see what I'm talking about. Then hit me up on Instagram or on Facebook where you can find me. Email me and tell me, oh, hey, Caesar, I, I know what you're talking about now. Good looking out. Have you stopped making excuses and begun to improve the level of your physical fitness one degree at a time? Have you improved the quality of your nutrition? If not, why not? When would now be a good time to start this improvement of your body, mind, and soul? When? So yesterday, I was at my buddy's house, David. We got our first workout of the year in at his house. That's right. Darkness and I once again. Darkness! Darkness, where are you? I know you're over there somewhere. Well, he might be at his house. It's a good bet. Got at it. Good 40 minutes, just intense workout. And uh, we kind of fell away from doing burpees. So now we're incorporating them back into our routine. And yesterday we looked pathetic. Uh, it wasn't even funny. I mean, normally we can make fun of ourselves, but this... It wasn't funny because we were huffing and puffing and we we looked like 
seals on the ground trying to get from the dry ground into water. So if you can visualize that. Today I got another good workout in with some kettlebell squats, kettlebell deadlifts, and then a combination of push-ups and pull-ups, body weight. And as I'm doing my sets, I take two minutes of rest in between sets, sometimes one minute. I was walking around the garage, breathing, watching my breathing, and I found a three-ring binder that I had taken out a while back. It was tucked away in one of the shelves here. And it's a workout routine that I bought way back in 2002. It's called Gamma Fitness by Matt Fury. And if you haven't heard of Matt Fury, Matt Fury, yeah, you can find him on the internet, on YouTube. He has all kinds of videos. He does Tai Chi. He's a big proponent of Chinese medicine and the Chinese culture. He was a wrestler in high school and in college. And so, you know, he try to get stronger using those conventional methods in America and all, all around the world, which was weightlifting and primarily weightlifting. And so he suffered some injuries. He had a stop for a while, and he, you know, shoulders, neck. All of a sudden, he began to discover that there were wrestlers around the world who had developed extreme physical fitness and strength and stamina with never using a weight, using their body weight. And then he discovered someone called Gamma. That's not his real name. That's his given name. Um, that's not his given name. Um, you know, that's his like professional name or what have you. He's out of India. And he began to study the Hindu wrestlers and the whole structure, the whole history of wrestling coming out of India. And it seems that India has the oldest tradition of wrestling. And as a matter of fact, the only reason why we don't know more about them is because India would rather spend more money on, on other Olympic, like soccer teams and stuff like that, than the wrestlers, which from what I understand, they would be outstanding. They would probably be the cream of the crop. Anyways, as he studied these, these routines and techniques, he came upon Gamma, and then he began to read and study about Gamma and the legends, and they had a set of exercises that are being done again today. They're being promoted in MMA and the octagon. And what is it? Well, Hindu squats, Hindu push-ups, bridging, not the wrestler's bridge, but the more of the gymnastics type bridging. And then to increase their grip strength and arm and shoulder strength, they would swing these clubs. And the clubs, they would make them different weights. And they, depending on your fitness level, strength levels, you would use the bigger and bigger clubs that you would swing. And they had these routines where you would swing them and as you swing them, you squat, you, you, you know, you all the way down. And then, you know, as you squat all the way back up and you're twisting and turning. Incredible, in, incredible agility and in, incredible. Just stamina overall. And so one of the legends is that <clears throat> Gamma would 
every day do about two to 3,000 Hindu squats nonstop. He developed these massive legs. Like if you see his picture, it's going to look like he weightlifts, and, and you'll find the picture on the Internet. He's wielding a scepter. It looks like a scepter, but it's a club. He's got this big old Wyatt Earp mustache, short cropped hair, and his little, you know, wrestling shorts. And he's standing on top of a, looks like a leopard, you know, stuffed leopard, leopard skin. That's right. So today I was watching some YouTube videos and all of a sudden it came up. You know, I follow Masonic Improvement. I was on their podcast. I'm going to have them on my show here pretty soon. And today's show was called The Need for Masonic Leadership. And they had a guest. The guest was Right Worshipful Dave uh, Mitchum. And I caught the very tail end. I can't, you know, I can't say that I saw everything i caught like the last 10 minutes and they were wrapping it up but what i heard dave mitchum say was something that you're going to hear a lot of masons say if you're a mason and when it comes to this topic and you know how can we how can we remedy some of the ills of a lodge ills of membership and you know brother mitchum was saying that well we have to get out into the community we have to figure out how to I don't know if he was like saying get out in the community and raise money or just help people. But in my 21, 22 years of experience and being boots on the ground, on the ground floor of masonry, being involved, highly involved in just blue lots, symbolic blue lots. I'm not talking about Shrine or Royal Arch or, or York Ride or Scottish Ride or the Grotto and all that. Because as you can tell, just by me rattling off and there's more. By rattling off these appendant bodies, if you join all of them because you're seeking further light or whatever, you just dissipate it. You know, you're 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 spreading yourself too thin. And if you're thinking that, well, if I join more organizations, I will gain more light, again, you're spreading yourself too thin. Because I believe that everything that all the light that we need is within the symbolic blue lodge. And I don't believe that going out into the community to make ourselves more visible to the community will accomplish much as far as increasing membership. Because if your lodge has not figured out what it's about, what it stands for, what its focus is, which takes time. I shared this a little bit when I came on the Masonic Improvement podcast. It takes time. You need to sit down with about five or ten brothers that are engaged, that are contributing members, you know, that are there, because they're going to be the backbone. And it takes time to sit down and begin to try and get to the why. The why are we here? What are we trying to do? What it, you know, explain to me. And you go down the list. If there's ten of them there, you ask each one of them. Okay. What should the Masonic experience be like here in this lodge? Take me, take me through it from beginning to end. And then go to the next guy. And then go to the next guy. And from there, you begin to try to extrapolate. Okay, well, what are you trying to say? And then, you know, and on and on and on. And then you, be, you develop a plan. And then 
you guys come to some type of agreement on a dress code on how long applicants are going to, you know, prospective members are going to wait to get an application. And then once they get an application, how is that going to go? And then you're going to decide on once we're ready to initiate them, what's that going to look like that evening? Is it going to be lackluster? Is just, you know, any type of a ritual performance will do? Or do you want a meaningful relate? I mean, re relationship? Well, yeah, we are trying to garner and strengthen a meaningful relationship but are you going to give a meaningful degree and is each officer going to give meaningful heartfelt performances are you and what does that look like and then what does it look like right afterwards and then what does it look like in between degrees who's helping what kind of education are they getting is the lodge going to demand some type of presentation to demonstrate comprehension of some of the lessons, some of the symbols, some of the history of that degree of Freemasonry, of your lodge. What, what is that gonna what is that gonna look like? And you see everything I'm talking about, that's internal. That has nothing to do with the public. That has nothing to do with us going outside and getting involved with the community, but being involved inside within the lodge walls. And very, in a very highly intense, focused, concentrated program. Because if your lodge is like most lodges, brethren, especially here in California, because I can't speak for other lodges, but from what I hear from other podcasts, it's pretty much the same. You know, you, you only have a limited amount of brethren that are actively engaged, that actually want to commit to any kind of responsibility in a lodge and take on any kind of responsibility sitting down and uh, as a leader in a chair and then let alone begin to memorize the ritual if that's what your state requires because there are, are some states that allow you to read the ritual they don't they don't demand that you memorize the work which is far better and far superior when you memorize it all that's internal. All that's within the walls of your lodge. Teaching you lessons. Teaching you how to overcome resistance. Teaching you how to get past all your lame excuses as to why you can't be there. Why you can't uh, memorize. Why you can't do this. Why you can't do that. It forces you to find your strengths and your weaknesses. Begin to work <clears throat> within that construct. And then shine in those moments where that's where your strength is. In the meantime, as you're going through chairs, if that's what you've decided, you should be learning how to organize the troops. You should be learning how to manage your time better. You should be learning how to communicate better with people and how to negotiate. You should be learning how to talk about your vision and what that means and how you're going to try to accomplish this vision with the help of the brethren. How are we going to execute that? What does it look like? At the very end, what, what, what would the feeling be when you finally accomplish all that? And I haven't even talked about, hey, now, you know what? Let's go out and get involved in the public. Let's be 
more visible to the public's eye. I don't agree with that. Grand Lodge has already taken care of that for us. Grand Lodge is out there. They have a website. If you have a website, our lodge has a website, Palm Springs Lodge number 693. You can go on there. And if you're interested, you will come and seek us, not the other way around. We're not going to go solicit. It's just not the way it works. And we're going to take our time when you show up at our door. How does this correlate with the mysterious origins of Freemasonry? In our very own Constitutions of the Freemasons, written by uh, Dr. Anderson, came out in 1723, he has a section where... When it begins to talk about the charges of a Freemason, there's a section here where it's Article 5 of the management of the craft and working. I'm going to let you find that and read it. Because when I read that... uh, I shouldn't have been shocked, but I was, because it tells us right there how how to govern and manage new members coming in, how to utilize them, because they become a resource. All of our members become social capital. They are they are our number one resource, and they have eyes and ears as well. They will come in with fresh eyes and ears and begin to see things that maybe you won't see because you're entrenched in the way you've been seeing it. Like me, for instance, you know, being involved for 21, 21 years, 22 years. Uh, I'm not infallible, so there's going to be things that I just don't see because I've been entrenched in in this mechanism for a while, the way we're doing things. And we do like to consider ourselves flexible and, and somewhat forward-thinking, but at the same time, because we get caught up in the day-to-day operations of the lodge and some of the other more, you know, behind-the-scene things that nobody sees, uh, you know, your mind can only focus and concentrate uh, on so much before it shuts down. But that section of the constitutions of the Freemasons, mind-blower. Because when you take it as a whole, when you read that article, Article 5, you're going to be like, wow, there it is. That's that's part of the solution there. They, Dr. Anderson and those old Masons gave us the solution, but we've kind of gone away, gone away from that. We're supposed to shoulder responsibility on on members coming in, but not before we train them properly. Not before we see that they're ready, and especially if that's their strength, then yeah, we can do that. But if you begin to straddle them with too much responsibility before they know anything, really, all you're doing is setting them up for failure. The need for Masonic leadership that was spoken about in Uh, Whither Are We Traveling, I Believe, by Dwight L. Smith. These articles that he wrote back in the 50s, I believe, 
60s, and they're still, they are still relevant today. He did talk about the, the, the need for Masonic leadership, but actually putting Masons that are qualified to lead, not just because they're the last man standing and he hasn't, doesn't have the strength to leave. So he just stays and, you know, you reward him for that. That's not leadership. That's not what Dr. Anderson said in his Constitutions of the Freemasons that, it, it, you know, the, any position that you get will be on merit alone. That the senior warden, a junior warden, and master will, will, will earn that by merit and merit alone, not by seniority. These aren't new concepts. This is nothing new. This has been there for us for the longest time. And for those to choose to ignore these things, it's at, it's at your own peril. Your lodge will suffer. Yes, I know. It's, it's, you know, it's time-consuming. Yes, I know. It's hard. But, um, yeah, here it is. Article 4 of Masters, Wardens, Fellows, and Apprentices. All preferment among Masons is grounded upon real worth and personal merit only. Then later on says, Therefore, no Master or Wardens is chosen by seniority but for his merit. Very clear. Very clear. Imagine what a lodge would look like if we actually went by that. You know, to the best of our ability. Wow. Wow. Brethren, that's all I have for you today. Keep forth, keep going forth, and keep working. Work hard. These strong sessions are calculated to inculcate in the mind of the novitiate the importance of subduing our passions and improving ourselves in masonry, feeding the attentive ear with the sound of the instructive tongue, endeavoring to add to the common stock of knowledge and understanding, effectively spreading the cement of knowledge and wisdom, and hopefully some good will towards exercising. Get out there and get your walking in. Open up your ciphers. Study, memorize, and just do it.